Tyler and uh, Randy will take your Bible this morning, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and as uh, many of you know, we are continuing through our study of the Sermon on the Mount, and believe it or not, we're getting close to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. There's not much time, not many verses left uh, in this study on the Sermon on the Mount, and we come this morning to perhaps the most well-known passage in all of the Sermon on the Mount. As a matter of fact, some theologians say that uh, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that this passage that we're going to study this morning, uh, some call it the capstone of the Sermon on the Mount. I, I don't know, you can decide if you want to call it the capstone. All of the Sermon on the Mount is good. But we're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 32. And uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. And you all know our passage this morning, it's called the Golden Rule. The Golden Rule. And we're going to take this one verse this morning, what we commonly know as the Golden Rule, and we're just going to dig into it. There's a lot in this one verse. I think we'll see as we examine it this morning. And uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus said, Therefore, whatever you want men... To do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, we're going to first of all talk this morning about that very first word, therefore. Jesus said, therefore. Now, you've heard me say before that when we see the word therefore, we ought to look and see what it's there for. Therefore... It simply means because of. And so really Jesus here, as He nears the end of the Sermon on the Mount, He gives us the motivation for the golden rule. The motivation for the golden rule. He really begins to sum up everything that He has said. He says, therefore, well, what does He mean? Therefore, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, I would just share with you, he simply is saying, therefore, because of everything that I've said. This begins to sum up everything that Jesus has said. He says, first of all, because of the Beatitudes. You know, that's how the Sermon on the Mount started. If you'll remember, you go all the way back to chapter 5, at the beginning of chapter 5. He's basically saying, because of the blessedness of the poor in spirit. Because they that are mourned are blessed. Because the meek are blessed. Because they that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Because the merciful are blessed and they will obtain mercy. Because the pure in heart will see God. Because the peacemakers will be called the sons of God. Because blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed, Jesus said, are you when you're reviled and persecuted. Because of this. Because God has a purpose and God often in our, our world as we live, things are not as they seem. Jesus said often the last will be first and the first will be last. Jesus takes over and over again. We see both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God chooses the most unlikely of people to be His heroes. He chooses the weak to overcome the strong. He chooses the foolish to confound the wise. God chooses those that we would not think Perhaps he would choose. And so because of that, Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then you go to the similitudes in, uh, later in chapter 5. Because you're the salt of the earth. Because you're the light of the world. Do unto others as you would have them 
do unto you. And then Jesus said, because I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. There in the, in the, Lord, in the uh, golden rule, Jesus said that to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the law and the prophets. This is everything summed up in a nutshell is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And because in uh, verse number 20 of chapter 5, Jesus said, Your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Because of that, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then in later in chapter 5, remember we saw that murder, murder certainly is a sin, but he also said because anger and the calling of your brother or your sister to demean them verbally, because that also is a sin. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yes, adultery is a sin. But Jesus says lust is also a sin. Because of that, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yes, because your marriage vow is a sacred vow. A lifetime vow. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because Jesus said don't go just one mile when commanded to go one mile. But go the extra mile. Because of that, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Jesus said, because I don't want you to do your good works before men, but don't let your right hand know what your left hand does. Because of that, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because you shouldn't pray for the ears of men, but you should pray to God alone. And He gave that wonderful model prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, that we studied. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Because of this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then he went on and he began to talk about wealth in this sermon. He says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where the moth corrupts and thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where moths do not corrupt and thieves can't break through and steal. Because of this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then he addressed worry. You'll remember in chapter 6, he says, don't worry, but consider the lilies. How God has ordained them and consider the sparrows that he feeds. And because of that, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then just last week, week before, we talked about judging he warned against not judging our brothers or our sisters with an inaccurate and an unfair judgment, a judgment based on appearance and not on true judgment. And he also said to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, don't give up, don't stop, don't quit. Keep pressing forward and seeking God. And because of all of this, he comes down here toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount and he says, therefore... After all that I've shared with you, all these things that I have spoken about in this Sermon on the Mount, therefore, because of this, to sum it all up, as you would have people do unto you, so do unto them. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the motivation of the golden rule. That very first word, therefore. But beyond the motivation of the golden rule, we see the foundation of the golden rule. The golden rule doesn't make any sense whatsoever without this foundation. Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do 
unto you. Now, 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 now there's a, a truth. Excuse me. Where'd that come from? <laughs> I'm glad it got out. It was wanting to come out. <laughs> there's a truth. There's a truth that's, that's in there. In that, in that passage, that golden rule, that if that truth is not true, the golden rule doesn't mean anything. I'm going to show you what that truth is. Uh, let me give you a couple of passages here. In Leviticus 19.33, in the Old Testament, there uh, the Bible says, If a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Luke 6.31, Jesus, it's really just a repeat of what Matthew records. Luke says, just as you want men to do to you, you also should do to them likewise. And then over in Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, uh, there is a passage where Jesus is answering the Pharisees and as they had questioned him about what was the greatest commandment in the law. And, and Jesus there in verse 37, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then Paul over in Galatians, he repeats this. He says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, there's a theme there. And that theme is that you have to love yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You must do to others as you would have them do unto yourself. There's an assumption there that you care about yourself. I want to tell you something. You cannot properly love others if you don't properly love yourself. It is not God's will for you to put yourself down, for you to look at yourself as, as no good, as unworthy. That is not God's will. If you're sitting here today and you've got a negative opinion of yourself, you think, well, I, I am just a total failure. I am just an absolute zero. I mean, I am, I am a nothing. I am no good whatsoever. That is not God's will for you to feel that way. You are made in the image of God. God made you in His image. As a matter of fact, God put so much worth upon you every time you see a cross, you should be reminded of how valuable you are. Because the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died on the cross. The very core of the Christian message is that you are so valuable that Jesus shed His blood for you. That Jesus came to this world. He was, came through the portals of a virgin's womb. He lived a sinless life. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified and He rose again all for you and for me. If there is one core message that Christianity teaches, it is that you as a human being have great value. You have great value. So much that God would send His Son, the very image of God, would come to earth and suffer and die for you. So my friend, before you can love others as you love yourself, you must love 
yourself. Now, now obviously, the Bible is, teaches against arrogance and pride. It's just like in an athletic event. You get a team together and you get prepared for a big game. You want that team to have confidence, not arrogance. You don't want them to be overconfident. You don't want them to dismiss their opponent. But you want them to be confident. I tell you what, I go in to have surgery or even to the dentist. And the dentist, you know, his hands start shaking. He says, I'll just tell you, I, Lord help me. I've never done this before. They better strap me down because I'm leaving that place. I mean, I want the man to have a little bit of confidence. Don't you? I don't want him to say, I'm just the worst surgeon ever been. I, I tell you, I'm no good. Is that the kind of doctor you want working on you? I don't think so. You want the man to have a little confidence in himself. You want him to have some training and to feel like he at least thinks he knows what he's doing. And my friend, God doesn't want you to go around saying, I, I'm no good, I'm just worthless. I, I, no, you know, sometimes we say that and it's really false humility. We don't, we're just kind of pretending. You know, we're just trying to make ourselves look humble in front of other people. That's what the Bible calls false humility. False humility. But there are truly some people who have such a negative image of their self they just feel like they are worthless. That they're no good, and, and, and there may be plenty of evidence to point to that fact. I'm sure we've all made plenty of mistakes, and we've all done things that were stupid and foolish. And, but listen, again, one of the core messages of Christianity is the grace of God. The grace of God, that, that, that God comes to give grace to those who need it. And who needs grace but people who are messed up? People who have failed. People who have committed terrible things and you've really messed up in life. That's who grace is for. That's what grace is for. So, listen, before you can love others as you love yourself, you have to love yourself. God wants you to understand how valuable you are to Him. There's another example He gives in marriage. You've all heard this quoted, usually in a wedding or in a, in a marriage seminar, Ephesians 5.28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And again in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Here, the Apostle Paul says, Do you not know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The foundation of the golden rule is, my friend, you are valuable. You are valuable. You are of much value. Jesus said you are of far greater value than many sparrows. I tell you, it matters what you believe. And if you become convinced that you were not created by God, but that you're just the great, 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 great grandchild of a tadpole, then my friend, you are not going to place much value upon human life. And you're not going to place much value upon your life. You are not simply a biological, uh, you know, accident or, or evolutionary. You're not simply down the evolutionary chain. My friend, God created you. You're made in the image of God is what the Bible teaches. You are precious to God. You are God's special creation. Yes, God created uh, the earthworm and He created, you know, uh, beautiful cats and uh, 
and little dogs and, uh, and, and birds that fly in the air. These are all wonderful creations of God, and, and uh, I'm glad he did. Animals are a great pleasure and sometimes a consternation to us, but, but they're a great, a great pleasure to have. But my friend, you're different. You're different than the animal. You're not just a biological organism. You have a soul, an eternal spirit that God gave you that is made in His image. And by the way, when I say we're made in the image of God, please understand, I'm, you know, God doesn't look like me. I know you're, uh, that would have deserved an amen there. You'd want to give it. God doesn't look like me and He doesn't look like you. He doesn't have two ears and a nose. He's not white or black or Asian or Mexican. I mean, God is not, is not flesh. It is our spirit that's made in the image of God. Our flesh is, is really no different than the animal's flesh. We're going to die. We're going to stop functioning one day and our flesh is going to go back to the dust from which it came. But that part of us that is made in the image of God is our eternal soul that goes back to God when, when we leave here, when our, our body stops functioning. And that is the part of you that is of great, great value. Yes, we should honor our bodies because this is the, the house we live in. I mean, don't you clean your home and keep your home livable because that's where you live, that's where you stay. Well, our body is the same way. We should take care of our body. It's our temporary dwelling. But one day we're going to move out. It's going to be moving day. It's going to be time to leave this old body behind. Leave it behind and we're going to go to be with our Heavenly Father. So, if you want to love others, the first thing you must do is understand that God loves you. And I'm going to tell you, I firmly believe that one of the reasons often when people have you know, marital issues or you've got relationship problems, you can't get along with anybody, you really ought to take a look at yourself. And say, so, you know, am I so angry at everybody? Why am I so mad at it? Why am I mad at everybody? Why can't I get along with anybody? I'm not a psychologist, but I would just present to you, my friend, that often I think it is because we have such a low image of ourselves. We can't love anybody else because we don't love ourselves. We, we, we can't care for anybody else because we don't care for ourselves. So, my friend, if you want to love others, first of all, understand that God made you in His image. You are of great value. Jesus died for you. And when you understand that you are loved by God, then my friend, you can love others. When you understand that, that God desires good for you, then you can give good and you can do good for others. Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So, that is the great principle, if you will, the foundation of the golden rule is that you are of great value to God. You matter. You are made in the image of God. The motivation of the golden rule, all that Jesus said before, the capstone of His Sermon on the Mount. The foundation of the golden rule is that, my friend, every human being is made in the image of God and you are of great importance. You have great value in the sight of God. And we should honor ourselves, and we should honor others around us. So, and the last thing I want to share with you, not just the motivation of the golden rule and not just the foundation of the golden rule, but the last thing I want to share with you this morning is the application of the golden rule. What, what did Jesus say? He says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And the application of the golden rule I would just take that word, whatever. For whatever you would that men do to you, that do also to them. The golden rule 
The application of the golden rule starts first of all in us, as I said before. We first of all must care about ourselves, recognize we're made in the image of God. Listen, you don't lack anything. God created you. We're all different. Don't compare yourself to other people and say, well, you know, they're smarter than... Well, they may be. They're better looking than me. Well, they may be. All those things may be true. You know, they're more talented than I am. Maybe. But that's not what your worth is based upon. Your worth is based upon the fact that God created you. You're special. You have a purpose. So the first application is we love ourselves. And then the second application is we begin to apply that first of all, first of all, with those closest to us. It's been said that some of the hardest people, you know, to get along with are the folks that know you the best and you know them the best. I, I've shared this before. I really like it. It says, uh, if I can remember how to, if I can remember it right, to dwell above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with the saints we know, well, now that's another story. And so true it is, often the, the better we know people and the more, the closer we are, maybe they're members of our family, our husband, our wife, our children, maybe our parents or our siblings, often it's very difficult sometimes uh, to get along with folks that we really, really know well. You know why one of the reasons of that is? Other people, we don't know all their faults. We just see them occasionally and they seem nice and they treat us nice and make us feel good. We... We say, well, you know, I like old so-and-so. But our husband, our wife, we know their faults. Our, our, our brothers, our sisters, our parents, our children, we know their faults. They've disappointed us. They've hurt us. They've, they've said mean things to us. And, and if we're not careful, we, we build up a little, little bitterness there. You, you know, I mean, in a marriage, and, and uh, Lloyd's not here, so I'll be free to uh, express myself. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but, but often, you know, in a marriage, you know, we, we've got the, the, the little skirmishes that occur occasionally. Little skirmishes, skirmishes. You know, just, that's just small arms fire. You know, not, 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 not too bad. But we all know what the heavy guns are, right? I mean, if it gets past a certain point, we pull out the heavy guns. The big ammunition. You know, and, and that's, the, that's the big topics that we know if we press that button, that's the nuclear button, you know. I mean, we know that's going to get them. And, and, and do you want them to do that to you? You know, you've got things that are tender and you don't like to be brought up, maybe something you did or whatever, and you just, you know, you just don't like to talk about it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The application of the golden rule begins at home. Begins at home with your spouse, your parents, your children. You know, those that often we love the most but yet often it is the hardest sometimes to, to get along with and, 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 and they, we love them. And, and by the way, always remember, only those who love you, only those you love deeply can hurt you deeply. You know that guy that cuts you off at the red light? He aggravates you. He aggravates you. He makes you mad. But he can't really hurt you. He doesn't offend you greatly. He just aggravates you. But those that you care about and those that you love, they can hurt you deeply. And my friend, uh, there's so much here in, in the whole Sermon on the Mount, forgiving others as we want to be forgiven. All of that is so necessary in a relationship, a husband and a wife and, and in a family. We have to have forgiveness or you're not going to make it. You, you have to be willing to treat others as you would have them to treat you. It begins in the home and in the family. And then, of course, it moves outward. It moves out to the church. We're to love our brothers and our sisters in Christ. 
Listen, everybody's not like you. Everybody doesn't like the same things that you like. I know this is a shock, but even in this very congregation, everybody doesn't like the same kind of music. Y'all didn't know that, did you? And y'all don't talk to me about it. You talk to one another about it, but everybody don't like the same kind of preaching. You know, everybody doesn't like everything. Everybody is different. Everybody likes something different. Everybody is ministered in a different way. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You must show grace to one another. Show grace and, and show compassion. And do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You go out from the home and you go into the church. And then it goes out into the workplace, into the community. You know, the Apostle Paul, as he spoke to the early believers, he, he gave instruction to the servants of that day to, to be good employees. They weren't employees, they were servants, they were slaves, but he said basically work hard. You know, do a good job. Don't simply work when your master is around and be a, a one who pleases the eye, and then you goof off when he's not around, but, but work hard all the time. Work as if you're working for the Lord. And then remember to the masters, those in authority. He says, remember you have a master in heaven. And you know what he basically said? He said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He said to those who were the employees of the day, he says, you need to work as if you're working for yourself. Even greater, he said, as if you're working for the Lord. And to the masters, he said, you need to remember and treat that, that servant, that person who is under your authority as you would want to be treated by the Lord. Give him grace. Give him compassion. And so wherever we are in our workplace, we need to treat others as we would want to be treated. I tell you, I mentioned about those of us that sometimes have a negative opinion of ourselves, and that gets in the way of us living out the golden rule. On the other side of the coin, there are those of us that have too high of an opinion of ourselves, and that gets in the way of us living out the golden rule. All we ever think about is self. Selfish. You know, what I want. And my friend, that is just as big a problem as having a low opinion of yourself is having too high an opinion of yourself. Whether it's in the home, whether it's in church, or whether it's in the workplace, we should make sure that we're living and that we're doing unto others as we would have them do unto ourselves. Well, one last application I want to give you. I talked about an application in the home. I talked about an application in the church. Talked about an application in the workplace, but one last place. And that's to our enemies. To the people that we don't like. Can I give you, tell you a little secret? It is okay not to like some people. You have to love everybody. But you don't have to like everybody. It's okay. You can't help it. You can't help not liking some people. I, I, I've often heard, and I've said this myself, I just don't know if I can forgive them. You know what? You, you and I can forgive anybody if you understand the true meaning of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an emotion. I think when we say, I can't forgive them, or I can't, I can't, you know, what you mean is you can't have nice warm feelings about that person. You may be right. You can't control your emotions. You can't control how you feel. What you and I can control is our actions, what we do. It's not about how we feel about someone. It's what we choose to do. So when we say do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and we talk about our enemies, we're talking about our enemies now. You know, Jesus said love your enemies, pray for those that, that, that persecute you, 
and, 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 and you know, uh, do good and love those that, that, that try to attack you in every way. Listen, it's not about an emotion. It's not about making yourself feel a certain way, but it's a decision. When we talk about forgiveness, I think what, what Jesus is saying, you have an enemy, you have someone that's hurt you, you can't make yourself feel a certain way, but what you can do is say, Lord, I'm going to give that to you. I'm not going to think it's my responsibility to make sure they get what's coming to them and kind of lay in wait and be aware so I can be your vessel of, of, of wrath upon this sinner. As soon as they step into my path, you know, I'm going to come down with the wrath of God upon them and, uh, you know, I'm going to be, you know, your hammer. You know, here I am, Lord, I'm your vessel. Use me, you know, to bring your justice upon this person. You know, a lot of times we think that way. Listen, the Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Let God have it. And say, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. I'm not going to be in charge of this. I, you're going to have to help me with my emotions, but I'm going to make a conscious effort that I'm going to hand it over to you. I'm going to hand it over to you. Have you ever done something and, and uh, you wish that you hadn't done it? You know you did something wrong and, and you want people to forgive you? Remember, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If that's you, you've got someone that has hurt you, you've got someone that's done something against you, you need to give out the hand of forgiveness. Always remember that the most you and I will ever be like God is, we, is when we forgive someone who has truly wronged us. And I don't have time to go into all that, but I'll just tell you a lot of times when we say that we have a problem with somebody, it really is a misunderstanding. We're probably about as wrong as they are. But there are cases, there are cases where you're not in the wrong. The other person is 100% in the wrong. They're the person who's done the, who's done the wrong and, and they've hurt you. And those are the only cases in which you truly have the authority to forgive. It's not just a misunderstanding. It's a true hurt, a true, um, uh, it's a true hurt that that person has done to you. And it's in those cases that when we are able to say, Lord, I give it to you. I know my emotions. I can't control them, but I'm giving it to you. and I'm going to ask you to help me. I'm going to release it. I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to be in charge of this. I'm not going to tote this around as a burden and think that I've got to make it right. I'm going to let you handle it. I'm going to give it to you. Then, my friend, that's when we can make that application of the golden rule, not just to our, our family, not just to our church family, not just to our workplace, our employer, our employees, but to our enemies. And I might say that is the most powerful place to make this application. So Jesus, getting close to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, He comes again to what many call the capstone of the Sermon on the Mount, the golden rule. We talked about the motivation of it. Therefore, because of everything that Jesus said, Jesus said, therefore. And we talked about the foundation of it, that before you can love others, you have to love yourself. You have to understand that you're precious in the sight of God. And we talked about the application of the Sermon of the Mount. It begins with those closest to you in your family, goes out to your church, to your workplace, and finally even to your enemies to live out what Jesus said was the culmination of all the law and all the prophets, and that simply is, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the words that you gave us over 2,000 years ago when you walked this earth. We know that they're just as powerful today and just as true today as when you spoke them those many years ago. 
And Father, we pray that you will help us to lay these principles into our life and we will live by this principle that you gave us, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto us. And Lord, you would help us to have a proper view of ourselves, Lord, that we would understand that we're made in the image of God, that we should love ourselves in a proper way. And God, we should value ourselves and then also we can love others and we can value others and recognize that they too are made in the image of God. I pray, Lord, you will help us to have a proper understanding of who we are and, Lord, of how to treat those around us. God, we pray if there's one here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would come today and yield their self to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing this morning, if you're here, maybe God has spoken to you. Maybe you don't know the Lord as, as Savior. You want to come, I'll be glad to pray with you. Or maybe you want to come and pray or you want to make any other decision. You just obey the Holy Spirit as we stand and sing.